Well, we've, uh, we've looked back, haven't we, over the last year, and um, now we're going to be looking forward into the year ahead. Everybody's doing it, you know, TV programs, news shows, everyone's saying, well, what's going to be coming in the year ahead? And I wonder how you feel about it. How do I feel about it, looking into this year ahead? There are bound to be quite a lot of uncertainties, aren't there? They may be personal, in your own personal circumstances. There may be stuff in our relationships. There are relational things that are uncertain, uh, where we're quite not quite sure where, where it's going to go or where we may be in relation to other people. There may be people who we're close to, who we're concerned about, and we just wonder how, how things are going to shape up in the year ahead. We may look out globally, and again, we may be kind of not exactly uh, reassured at what's going on. What is going to happen in North Korea, for example? What's going to happen as a result of, of this new leader with his uh, finger on, on the button of some nuclear weapons and so on and so forth? Well, I want us to look in this second half at the experience of someone in the Bible who looked back over some tough times but also was able to look forward. You can read it in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and it's on page 1158 of the Bibles nearby. We're going to just spend some time reflecting. This isn't going to be a full-on sermon. Um, We're going to be reflecting on this passage here. We're going to have bread and and wine together in communion and then we'll reflect in some songs. David and, uh, and Peter will be leading us in prayer. It's an opportunity for us to continue really in the same kind of mode that we've been in already, but now we're looking forward. Well, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul is writing, this, uh, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. He's writing to the Corinthians again. This is another letter to them. And he talks about his personal circumstances. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. As he looked back on a a hard time, Paul would have been right with us in the first half of our service. He'd be honest about the tough things he'd been through. And boy, it had been tough, hadn't he? He talks about great hardships. He was under great pressure. For him, the year previously would have been a pretty tough one. But as well, like many of us today, he's been able to say, I've seen how faithful God has been to me through this time. He'd come through it. He said, God has delivered me. In fact, that word delivered comes a number of times in the passage. Did you notice it? He said, I know God has helped me through these tough times. He says, me and the people with me uh, in these difficult circumstances, he says, we have learned what? To rely on God in this process. And again, many of us, I think, as we reflected, certainly I did, as I reflected on the last year, yeah, there have been some tough things, but we, we've been learning to, to rely upon God. And he says, we've seen God's faithfulness. So he would have been like us, right at that, that point today, in the first half of the service. 
But there's still the future. And there are still uncertainties. He's living in a troubling time. For him, he, he's in the midst of a real issue with the, with the Corinthian church, who he loves dearly. We know how much he loves them. We've been studying his first letter. Now, there's real issues between them, and, and his heart is breaking for them. And he's not quite sure how it's all going to work out in the coming year, or the coming time ahead. We don't know this is not a new year, but you know what I mean. So how can he be confident Because he is confident. Even though he's had a hard time, he's proved God, but he's unsure, he's still confident. Why, verse 10 tells us, he says, we've set our hope on God. How can he do that? How can we do that as we face a new hit? How can we set our hope on God? Why is Paul so confident as he looks out on an uncertain time ahead? Well, he's confident because he knows what God can do. He says, I know God can intervene. He says, I know God has delivered us. God has helped us. He's come and he's intervened in our lives. He says, we know that God is the one who even raises the dead. He knows about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. He knows that this God, the God he worships, is the one who brought Jesus Christ back to life again and who one day will will bring to life all those who trust him for a sure and certain hope with him one day. He knows that death is not the last word for him. And so he's confident in God because of what God can do. Because of who God is. And we can be in that place too, can't we? But whatever happens in the year ahead, we can know that we can be confident because of who God is and what he does. But he's also confident. See, there's another area of confidence there. Did you notice how the help came to him in verse 11? How did this help from God come to Paul? As you help us by your prayers. He's confident because he knows that help comes through prayer. People have been praying for him. The Corinthians have been praying for him. And he's been helped. You know, we can know that too in the year ahead. And maybe one of the resolutions we should each make is never be afraid to ask somebody to pray for you, to pray for me. Never be slow in asking one another what we can pray for. And just do it. Just pray for each other. That we may know God's help. To realise what a praying community can be. At the second half of verse 11, there's a lovely picture there. He says, look, many will give thanks because God has been gracious. God's answered prayer and loads of people are involved in that. There's that picture of kind of grace multiplying out and everyone being really thankful and pouring out their hearts to God for what he does in our lives. Let's, let's look for that in this year ahead. Let's ask and tell each other. Let's ask God and let's tell each other about the answers he brings. Now, does that mean that everything for Paul then is easy? As he looks out, that's okay then, everything will be cool, that's fine, no more worries, no more frustrations for me. Well, if you read down to verse 15, you'll see that no, that's not the, the case. Verse 15, uh, and to verse 16 and 17, he talks about the fact that he had to, uh, he was confident, he planned to visit them first so that they may benefit twice. He talks about they were going to visit, but basically he'd made plans and he'd had to change them. 
So he was confident in God in that big level, but still there was stuff that had to be adjusted along the way. There were, there were things that happened. There were events, dear boy, as Macmillan once said about the future, you know, or, or what causes real problems in, in politicians' lives. And Paul says, yeah, there are these minor adjustments. There are things that, that haven't worked out in the way that I worked, that I thought they would. But it's, he's still confident in God nonetheless. So how is Paul confident amid all these possible corrections, as it were, to the way he thought his plans might work? Well, he gives us a couple of reasons in verses 18 to 20. Look at that, verse 18. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, you see, the Corinthians have been saying, well, Paul, you said you were coming, and then you're not coming, and then we don't know whether you're coming or not. You know, it's kind of yes and no, you know, for you. And Paul says, well, yeah, in some ways it has to be in these details, but fundamentally, he says, our message, the truth, what we're really confident in, what we're trusting God for, is not yes or no. For the Son of God, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, he was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Paul says, God is faithful, that's not going to change, verse 18. Although I may have to adjust my arrangements. God's faithfulness is sure and steady. I'm confident in that. But he says, secondly, that God's promises are certain. Why? Because of who they come into our lives through. They come into our lives through Jesus Christ, he says. And we'll see how that works out in a moment. The Bible here says that God's promises are yes, they are sure, they are trustworthy because of Jesus, because of his life, because of his death, because of his resurrection, and because of his presence with us by his spirit. That's why Paul and the Corinthians can say amen to God's promises. An amen means yes, they're for me, I'm in, (laughs) I'm in on that one. And that's what Paul is saying, it's for me but it's because of Jesus. There are promises that we can be confident because these promises find their roots in Jesus Christ. And we'll see how in a moment or two. But first, let's pause and worship for a moment. And as we do so, there's an opportunity to give. If you'd like to give um, to the ministry of the church here and beyond, then feel free to do so as the bags come around. If not, if you're a visitor, that's fine. Lots of us give in other ways as well. Uh, just feel free to pass the bag on. So we've seen how Paul can be confident after going through a lot and learning about God's faithfulness. And as he looks ahead with uncertainties, knowing that God is able to help, to deliver, to help through prayers, confident in the promises from God that come through Jesus. Now what is it about Jesus then that can give him and can give us this kind of confidence, even though we don't know what's going to happen in 2012. I wondered whether you could just turn a page or two to page 1182 in the New Testament, to Colossians chapter 1, or just listen to it if you want to. It's just a few verses from verse 10. Here Paul is praying for the believers he's writing to, to grow and be fruitful, to live their lives for the Lord, and to please him. 
Let's uh, see what he says. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul prays that these believers may have endurance and patience. They're going to need that to face all kinds of challenges in their lives, and so do do we. In fact, they're going to need quite a lot of it, because he says, I'm praying that you'll have be strengthened with all power. He's saying, you're going to need a lot of power for this, guys, and I'm praying that for you. But what is it all based on? Where is this, this patience, this endurance, this confidence coming from? Well, it's in verse 12. He says, I want you to be kind of energized by being thankful for what God has done. And did you notice, and this is all I really want to say about this, the tense, the way Paul writes about what God has done. It's about what God has done. God has delivered you from the dominion of darkness. He's rescued you from the dominion of darkness, and he has brought us. He's transferred us, or other versions say. He's done that into the kingdom of the son that he loves. In that person, Jesus, the son he loves, he says, you have redemption, you have liberation, you have forgiveness. It's all been done by God. It's all been done through Jesus. It's there, it's happened, it's settled, it's dealt with, it's forgiven, it's over, it's finished, it's complete in the past. And this meal we're going to have now is a symbol of that. And that's why it makes such a difference that we're trusting Jesus, because all that we need to be absolutely safe in God's kingdom, in God's power, in God's help, even though we may go through tough times, is being done by Jesus in history. It's done. As Jesus on the cross said, it is, fe- uh, it is finished. It is completed. It's over. Whatever happens in 2012 for us as believers, whatever happens, this has already happened. We already belong to God. It's not going to change. Why? Because it's what God has done, and he's done it through Jesus. That's why the promises that come into our lives through Jesus, that's why they're yes. That's why we can say amen. That's why whatever else changes, what Jesus has done for you, for me, does not change. And we're going to eat this meal now uh, that brings it right home to us. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 11, we read uh, these words, so we read them each time we have communion through the year. Paul says, I received from the Lord what I passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. On a particular night in history, Jesus did something. He did something on the cross. Before he went to the cross, he gave us this meal as a a reminder of it. When he died, and before that, he says, this is my body. He took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. 
His death is for us. His re- the redemption, the fact that we belong to God is a done deal because Jesus gave his body for us and we celebrate it now. This cup, he goes on to say, in the same way after supper he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This cup is the new covenant in Jesus' blood, the new way of being secure in God, as it were. We proclaim the death that's already happened. We do it in the light of the resurrection that's happened. We're delivered, we're rescued, we're saved because of that. And we proclaim it every time we eat this bread and drink this juice. We proclaim it until Jesus comes as, you know, we're on this ongoing program that will be brought to completion when we see Jesus face to face. So what we're going to do is take this bread and take this juice and realize why we can go into 2012 confident in God because of what Jesus has done for us. Let's grab hold of what God has done and realize that whatever happens, you belong to Jesus and nothing can change that. So it's a meal that uh, for, is for believers, those who, who know Jesus to be their rescuer, their friend, their, their Lord and their God. And I guess not, maybe not all of us are quite at that point yet. Most of us here are. And if you're not there, well, don't worry. Just uh, pass the bread and the, the juice by uh, and uh, look forward to the time. We look forward to the time you can take it with us. In a moment or two, we'll uh, have a final song. Maybe, will that be okay? Can you pick up the cups then, friends? We'll just be a few minutes more. I want us to finish, and uh, we're running a little bit over time, but we did have 20 minutes or 25 off in the middle, with um, something back in 2 Corinthians. It's just what Paul goes on to say about uh, how we can be confident in the present. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, or just listen to what he says. Now it is God who makes both us and you. He's talking about himself and his team and the people at Corinth. It's God who makes us both stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, he set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. God makes us stand in Christ, says Paul. He's given us the Holy Spirit in our lives, this real experience of God in our lives in the present. That mark of our ownership, that God owns us rather. That deposit. The deposit is a guarantee of what's to come. It's also a little bit of a flavor of what's to come. He says it in the passage. And so we go into the future not just confident in the faithfulness of God, not just looking back to the cross, but knowing God's presence in our lives in the present by the Holy Spirit. How does that work itself out? Well, it's not very clear here. Maybe that's good because we're all different, we're wired differently, we go through different seasons in our lives, we we have different experiences of God. But at the heart of it, there is this assurance that we can have that we belong to him that he is in our lives, that that a little bit of heaven has kind of been deposited into us in the present as we go forward. 
That's how Paul is confident. And that's how we can be confident too. God in your life, in my life, in the present, based on what Jesus has done in the past, and God's faithfulness and his promises are worked out in our lives as he intervenes. Even death will not stop his purposes for us. So let's trust him in what he's done, in his faithfulness, and in in his presence with us by the Spirit as we move into 2012. David's going to lead us in a final prayer, and we'll sing a final song, and we'll kind of stand and collect up the cups at that point. Thanks, David. We thank you, O Lord, that you've not left us alone, but you have come to us in the person of your Holy Spirit to live with us and in us. And not only as individual believers in Jesus, but as the corporate body of Christ, that you are at work in our lives, by your Spirit working in us, both to desire and to do what you want. And thank you that you haven't left us to our own devices to stand firm in Christ, for then we would surely fail. But you have promised that you will neither leave nor forsake us. So we ask you now to fill us anew with your Holy Spirit as we move forward into the year ahead. You have promised, Lord, that if we ask for your Holy Spirit, then you're not going to give us anything less than that. We ask you, Lord, for your presence with us, and that you will make us more conscious of your presence with us as we go into the year ahead, and that you'll increase our confidence as we move forward in 2012. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose finished work of redemption through his life, his death, and his resurrection and ascension to the right hand of the Father in heaven makes all this possible. Amen.